welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. Hi, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you all about online dating and bring something to your attention that you probably already know, the paradox of choice. We're going to talk about American psychologist Barry Swartz and his book, The Paradox of Choice, which he wrote in 2004, and a little bit about that theory. We're going to go to what it takes to understand the theory and how it presents specifically when it comes to the online dating world. And the most important part of today's episode is I want to give you some tips about how to navigate through the paradox of choice and get through the online dating phase because I think online dating can be great. It can be a really, really great way to be introduced to a variety of people. But the point isn't to be on the app. The point is to be off the app. So let's figure out how to get off the app. Thanks so much for joining me today. And we'll talk about the paradox of choice. In American psychologist Barry Schwartz's book, The Paradox of Choice, Why More is Less, which was written in 2004, he became interested in seeing the way that the choices that we have available to us were affecting the happiness of citizens in Western societies. So what he stipulated is that while we might believe that being presented with multiple options makes it easier to choose one we're happy with, but it doesn't. Having an abundance of option actually requires more effort to make a decision, and the result is that it can leave us feeling unsatisfied with our choice. When the number of choices increases, so does the difficulty of knowing what is best. Instead of increasing the freedom that we have to choose what we want, the paradox of choice suggests that having too many choices actually limits our freedom. And in the United States, freedom of choice is a fundamental part of our society, and it's become a part of our dating. Years ago, they were choosing partners they lived nearby. They also made choices based on safety and security. And now, Adding technology and swiping to be able to find a partner has magnified our ability to choose. It should feel so refreshing, right? To choose, to be able to choose who we want to be with. And having the freedom to choose means that we should have the freedom to choose our own happiness, right? One of the concerns that uh, Mr. Schwartz presented in The Paradox of Choice was a certain personality type that he called the maximizer. And a maximizer is basically the person that looks at the opportunity to choose very logically and thinks, hmm, I wonder how I can make the best choice available to me. A maximizer doesn't look at the boundaries of the choice, but looks at how to make the best choice. What are the outcomes of that choice? And they're not necessarily looking for a decision that's good enough decision. They're looking for the very, very best. When I look at the word maximizer, my head automatically heard the word avoidant. But let's talk about that. If you recall, avoidant attachment is basically keeping love at arm's length. It's an attachment style that can be learned at different stages of development. 
whether as a child, because you had a caregiver that was not nearby or responsive or several that were that way, or perhaps you went through a romantic relationship, you kind of have avoidant tendencies. I think it's important when you're talking about attachment that you understand that there can be tendencies towards these behaviors, being avoidant, anxious, anxious avoidant, uh, or secure, but, and there can also be true at the core, like this is how I choose to live and how I live in multiple relationships. And when we identify with one particular attachment style, it can make us feel very fearful that we're not going to be able to work through that or get through that. So I think it's important to kind of understand that that might be the way that your heart or mind leans, but how you behave and how you work through problems is really more indicative of how your attachment style is. So going back to that concept of the maximizer, if we're looking at that under the lens of an avoidant attachment, it makes sense because you can see that the maximizer is just continually looking for the very, very best, best, best option. And maybe that is going to look like avoidance because they're looking through that through the lens of fault finding or, you know, keeping love at arm's length. Um, looking back at a past experience called that phantom X where you're thinking, oh, if only this person were like that person, but then why didn't we choose that X? Why didn't we choose them? Why are they the X? We kind of have to ask ourselves and think, hmm, I wonder why they weren't what I chose at the time. And why am I idealizing that relationship now? It could be that maybe the real answer is that you're not ready. You're not ready to make a choice. You're not ready to be seen and being in a healthy relationship requires you to be seen and truly unveiling what makes you tick the good and the bad. And that can be the most beautiful part of a relationship. But if you live in fear of showing someone who you are and being rejected, that can be the thing that you work really, really hard to avoid. Going back to Barry Schwartz here, as he's talking about the the maximizer. One of the things that he's discussing here is that we don't need to concern ourselves sometimes with the impact of the choice, but it's really finding the balance in having too many options. So in the maximizer or potentially avoidant personality type, if we look so much at the impact of the choice and the outcome of the choice, is that really actually going to help us? Or is it just that we are needing to get gather the information about the person to then help us make the choice. In an online article from the website, The Decision Lab, about the paradox of choice, they wrote, as a result of the paradox of choice, people also seem less likely to commit or spend the necessary quality time getting to know someone since they can just get right back on the app. One user in an article for the Stanford Daily writes, the seemingly infinite supply of options allowed me to care less, to distance myself, to treat people like an online shopping cart. As a result, I found myself deeply unhappy with all of it. Oh, you guys, those words just hit me so hard, treating people like an online shopping cart. There's a part that I want to speak to here about empathy. So empathy is that emotional experience that we have where we're thinking about how somebody else feels and we're thinking about what it's like to be them. And in thinking about what it's like to be them, we usually make choices that would be empathetic to the situation or plight that they could find themselves in. 
Now, there is such a thing as being too empathetic, where we're always concerning ourselves with other people and how they feel and putting ourselves on the back burner and not taking care and advocating for ourselves. So in one sense, online dating can be really helpful because it says, this is about me. This is about what I want and what I need and how I need to take care of myself. And I love that. I actually really, really love that because it makes you choose what you want. The other side of that is that the person on the other end just becomes a one name person with some photos that you're going to judge and you're going to make decisions about based on the photos and the words. And I think when you put the person on that kind of two-dimensional platform, you're not really getting an opportunity to see if you would click with them. If you're in a room with someone and you can feel of their spirit, their energy, the way that they carry themselves and interact, they can become more or less attractive to you. I think it's interesting to note that online dating has become a very helpful and popular way of meeting people, but so much so that when we are using the terms, I'm asking, did you meet them online or in real life? And when you're talking about dating in real life versus dating online, there's a distinct difference in the way that you're going to be able to build a relationship with them. And there's a different set of questions that I'm going to review with my client and figure out about how they do know them. And this is because people can think of who they are, but being with someone in person actually creates the opportunity for you to interact with them to help you figure out how you are with them. You can read facial expressions, you can read body language, you can understand tone of voice, and you can understand proximity to you, meaning like physical closeness or physical distance in a real life setting. So when you're on a date, you can kind of use those clues to help you make a determination about how you feel romantically about this person, or if it's a friendship interest, or maybe neither. Now, you can get those cues and vibes, obviously, from online, but it's much harder to tell and it takes a lot more time. So obviously, there's going to be pros and cons to meeting in real life or meeting online. It's definitely more convenient to meet people online. But then we spin back into that paradox of choice. When you meet someone in real life, I feel like it's relatively shorter amount of time to determine if you feel like there is a romantic connection and if you'd like to pursue things. Most with will go on about three dates with someone to determine if they want to continue to go out or not. Sometimes they know sooner, but in knowing sooner, is that the best thing? Unless there is a significant deterrent to continuing to get to know someone, I advise that you look at the first date and say, did this go well enough? Do I have enough information? Am I curious? Okay, I want to go on a second date. And thus the second to the third. And that the third kind of deciding like, do I feel like that's romantic? Is there a want or need to know more? Um, How is the physical chemistry? Have we felt that like a bit of energy crossing between us that we wanted to hold hands or snuggle or kiss or make out or do some of those things that show, hey, this is different. This is a romantic relationship. And if those things aren't present, then we've made our decision, right? And we can move on and say, hey, I don't feel that romantic connection. Thank you for your time. And they'll still say the same. And then we move forward, right? Hopefully they'll say the same. I should say 
Sometimes they don't, but most of the time when you read the situation correctly and you're both being honest with with yourselves, you'll say, I don't feel a fit. And then you move on. And if you do, you just say, let's continue to get to know each other, right? Because getting to know each other is how you get the information that you need to be able to move forward. So in online dating, because you have so many choices, you could come out with so many matches one day that you have 10, 20 people to talk to. And that presents you with, you need to create some kind of a checks and balances. Okay, they talked to me, they talked to me this length of time in between. They talked about this, they talked about that, oh, their pickup line was dumb or this, that. And you're not really getting an opportunity to see who they are. So let's go into the tips. I really highly recommend that you take two, maybe three matches at a time and go from there to decide how you want to interact with them and how you want to talk with them and have that be in your queue. Decide before you add someone else. You're taking time to look at the person as a person see how you feel about them, see if you feel safe with them, and which can be really hard to do. So maybe trying a video call or something that you can get an opportunity to say, hmm, I wonder if we would be able to meet in real life and feel like there's a connection. So those are some of those first two opportunities here, like take two, maybe three people and give them an opportunity to get to know you, you get to know them, do a video call, see if you want to meet in real life, and then follow that in real life dating principle of do I like the first date? Should I go on the second date, etc. That will help you to keep the decision making in the here and now and gather information and chat about things that seem relevant to you, but also bond over activities and shared interests that the fun way of getting to know somebody. So those two ideas could help you navigate through that that choice pattern very, very easily. The most important piece of information that I want to share with you about making choices is that your choice is revealed to you in time. When we are looking at who we want to spend the rest of our life with, we want to know immediately. We don't want to make the wrong choice. And because we so desperately don't want to make the wrong choice, we can hyper-focus on so many things flaws, perceived flaws, circumstances. And I find it pretty interesting that there seem to be two ways that people do this. Either they hyper-focus on flaws, keeping people kind of arm's length, really pulling away and not sure if they should trust them, or they're all in. It doesn't matter if I've seen 47 hot pink or red or whatever color you want to call it flag. I'm just going to keep leaning in and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So dating requires you to have good judgment and to understand how information is given to you and what to do with it. Usually when information is given, it's given because we've been in an experience together or they have said something or you have said something that indicates "Hmm, I have a question about that, which requires some conversation. So that's why dating requires activities and conversation because you're getting to know each other through the activities and through the bond that you create there by being in person with each other. And then through conversation as you explore who you are in the past, who you are in the present and who you hope to be in the future. There's characteristics that we carry with us throughout time 
and there's also intentions that we can carry with us throughout time. And people are usually very good at revealing themselves and letting you know what they believe and what they want. You have to be able to listen to what they're saying and receive it. So if someone online is saying, hey, I'm just looking for a good time, that doesn't mean that potentially you could be the person that changes them to wanting to be in a serious relationship and get married. Accept that that's what they're telling you and decide if that's what you want. If someone says, I am looking for the love of my life and I believe I will know very quickly, listen to that because that means that you are going to be under the microscope very, very quickly. Maybe that won't feel good. Maybe that's not how you date. So you say, well, I prefer to get to know people and I prefer to see if we're curious about each other and see if there's some, some chemistry, some attraction building. And if you need to know too quickly, I probably won't be the best fit for you because I don't just share all my details on the first date and say, so you want to, <laughs> that might be a way of presenting yourself that could help people to understand. Like, I just want to get to know you. I'm curious. And I'd like to get to know you better. When we're looking at building your online profile, we often see people put what they don't want or what they're not looking for. And I get that, right? We are trying to say like, I don't want a scam or I don't want someone who's going to come at me for my money or for my body. But think about what that message sends, right? If you're telling them what you don't want, it kind of just makes you sound like you're bitter. And it honestly gives a little bit of a window into maybe what has happened before. When it talks about what you're looking for, when people use the term emotionally available, I really feel like that is a loaded term. I, I also want everyone online to be emotionally available. But what does that mean? Can we break that down a little bit more? What if you really said, I would like to get to know each other? I think that you, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of time thinking, oh my gosh, this is all the stuff that I don't want. So because we're presented with so many options when it comes to online dating, there can be a lot of loose ends, meaning you can start a conversation or they can start a conversation with you and it just doesn't really go anywhere. This whole like, how are you? How was your day? Did you sleep good? This type of thing that really doesn't translate into something to talk about and something to be able to move it off the app. So what do you do? How do you respond to someone when you're getting kind of a slow fade from them? And like you can tell the cadence of the conversation has changed and you're not really sure what to do because you're not totally invested, but you're also kind of like, well, what's up? One of my favorite rules that I always advise is if you're going to make up a story, make sure you're the winner. Meaning if you don't seek closure and sometimes you can't always seek closure, it's not appropriate or you're feeling like it's too awkward or you're shy. But if you're going to not seek closure, don't make up a story about how it's because you stink, you're unattractive, you don't make enough money or some kind of dialogue about that. If you're going to make up a story, make up the story where you're the winner. I was just so witty and charming that they were overwhelmed and decided to move on to someone who was less so. <laughs> it's better to make up a story where you come out the winner than making up a story that you can't actually fact check and is proof. It's just proved by your own insecurities. So I do feel like 
we live in a space in our culture where you can see closure in a different way than you did before. Now, I'm not talking about it like a TV show where you're going to come on and tell the entire world like how you felt about breaking it off with them. I think that is a lot to ask a person. But I think what you can do is just say, hey, I'm sensing that our tone and dynamic has changed. Just wanted to check in and send you the best. Um, just kind of interested to see if you agree that things have kind of flipped. Getting a weird vibe from you recently. Is everything okay? Uh, this isn't intended to say to them, hey, let me cut you some slack for not talking to me for a long period of time. It's intended as a check-in because if you assume that they aren't talking to you because of XYZ reason and you come at them and they're super like aggressive, then that also creates the tone. I'm going to start a fight, even though I don't know if there should be a fight. An idea of just checking in, saying, hey, I've noticed things are changing. Just wanted to check in and see if you agree and kind of what's up. That gives you an opportunity to figure out what you want to do from there. As we're getting to know people, we are going to experience rejection and it hurts. When we're trying to find closure, what we're trying to do is say, like, this will help me to be able to move on and send the next person forward. Some people aren't capable of that. They're not. And maybe you're not at that time. And so you don't always have to provide reasons, X, Y, Z reasons, meaning, but you can say, yeah, I felt like I was interested elsewhere. Thank you so much for your time. Or I've decided recently to get off the apps and take a break. Thank you for your time. Or work has been really busy. I would like to get in you to get to know you, but I don't really have time for texting. Um, I read a statistic somewhere that said about 60% of online dating doesn't get past the texting part. And I think that's so true. There's so much messed up when it comes to texting each other because we are not getting off the app and in person. And maybe because we're scared you know, we don't know who this person really is. And so we're nervous about meeting them. Or maybe we're really nervous about being in person because it could be awkward. It could be uncomfortable to, you know, maybe I'll make a mistake or maybe they won't be as attractive or I won't be as attractive to them. But this is the part of dating where you draw courage and you say, I'm going to use my best judgment. I'm going to create a safety plan to make sure that I am safe and I'm not, you know, putting myself in a situation that could be dangerous. And I'm going to meet someone in real life. And that is my opportunity so I can move through this. I think if you're not a big texter and you say, hey, you know, I'm not a big texter, that means at the time where you are texting to create an opportunity to meet in real life. And if you're really not comfortable with that, to create an opportunity for a video chat. Because not being a big texter and having texting be the only option of staying connected you're kind of not leaving them with many options. And I get that. Honestly, life is so busy and texting people back, it's really hard. Two, three days go by and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't respond to that or I didn't say this or that. And it can be really tricky when you're just not feeling that deep connection to feel a sense of responsibility to text somebody back. But again, that's why I go back to that whole like two, three matches. If you have that and you put yourself in a space where you can just focus on that, then you say, Okay, set my alarm on my phone. I'm going to check my matches this time every day. And I'm going to spend this much time responding. And maybe you even communicate with them saying like, I don't check the app all day long, but I do between 8 and 9 p.m. 
at night and that's when I respond and then they'll know and it won't be about you rejecting them the other 23 hours of the day. Now, these are just tips. This isn't something that you have to do. I'm just acknowledge who you are and where you are and feel really comfortable letting that play out. You don't have to pretend that you're some amazing texter and you don't have to also say, hey, I suck at it. I'm not doing it at all. Like you have to be able to let them know how to communicate with you and show up for that level of communication. Remember, as we're going back to talking about having too many choices, unfortunately, that's kind of where the pitfall is. If other people are looking at too many choices and you're non-responsive, you're not going to move past that swipe, swipe, swipe. Look at where your hiccup is, take responsibility for what could be yours and try to just make some gentle improvements while being kind to yourself along the way. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm so honored that you are here. I would really love it if you would head over to my website, thedatingcounselor.com and hit me with your email. I'd love to give you uh, all the tips, tricks, and insights about dating, especially dating in Utah. If you find yourself stuck in the bubble and really struggling, I'm your gal. You can follow me on Instagram at The Dating Counselor, and you can follow me on Facebook at The Dating Counselor. Check out events that could be happening locally, and feel free to share this podcast with a friend. I would also absolutely adore it if you would rate, review, and subscribe, because this helps boost the podcast. And if there's anything that I know, it's that you want everybody to be better at dating, right? You're sick of it, and you want people to treat you well. Let me help you please rate, review, and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and let's change the culture of dating in Utah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm Lonnie Harmon and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm on a mission to help singles navigate the modern dating world. You can learn more about my course, Foundations for Modern Dating, at thedatingcounselor.com slash courses. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook at The Dating Counselor or email me at Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at thedatingcounselor.com. You'll find a full list of everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes at thedatingcounselor.com slash podcast. If you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, I would love if you pass it along. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Thank you again for tuning in. See you soon.